Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm going to kick things off today and talk a little bit about the workout um, that we have for us today. And then I'm going to jam with you a little bit on the similarities uh, between coaches and teachers, given that most teachers are going back to school either this Monday or the following. Um, Some things that I've learned from teacher friends of mine, uh, and then some things that I think teachers take out of being a CrossFitter or partaking in CrossFit on a daily basis or regular basis and may apply in the classroom. So uh, the workout today is nine sandbag over shoulder, uh, 27 toes to bar, seven sandbag over shoulder, 21 toes to bar. So we'll call this a chipper, although there's a repeat in movements. um, It's definitely set up in a way that, uh, you know, you kind of start from the beginning and finish at the end. Um, it's going to be for most people, a short to moderate range chipper. Um, as far as the time range goes, I think we'll see anything from like six minutes to about 12. These get a little bit tricky to try to guess time ranges because it really comes down to how heavy is that bag for you? And then what's your capabilities on toes, the bar. Um, and obviously there's a wide range on, on both of those spectrums. So, um, this will be a little difficult to guess, but, um, at the same time, it's going to be a really good workout. It'll force you guys to really think about what you're doing on both, uh, the bag and the toes to bar separately as to not burn the other one out. Um, so with these sandbags, there's, there's something funny about odd object movement, right? And it's, it's no longer odd if you spend more time on it, right? Like just because the bag is uneven and can shift and, um, isn't necessarily a barbell or something easy to grab onto, the more you practice with them, they still look uniform, right? The same way that you can develop a very consistent power clean, you can develop a very consistent sandbag over shoulder. And it's just a matter of spending more time with the bag, right? Warming up properly. Um, and then, always trying to improve your efficiencies. You know, if you, if a coach says to you, Hey, like you're making this harder on yourself, uh, by the way you're doing it. I know that in the current moment, it's easier the way you're doing it in your head because every time you try something new, it's just like catastrophic, right? Like you pick the bag halfway up and then it like drops out of your arms or you pick the bag up and then you need to regrip it. And it's just crazy awkward. But the only way you're going to improve on those is to step out of your comfort zone right? And try new methods to pick the bag up and get it over your shoulder. Um, perfect example is, and I know I've mentioned this in, in previous podcasts with you guys is like when I first started messing around with the bag, I was super awkward and, uh, you know, I avoided going over my left shoulder as much as possible. So I would go right, right, right all the time. And like, even come on, like I know, I I damn well know that it's not good to take that bag and go over your right shoulder. If you've got, you know, 20 plus of those in a workout and you're throwing that thing over the same shoulder every time, like it's going to piss off your back. Like that, that's inevitable. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start learning how to go over the left so that I can start putting this into workouts and practicing what I preach. So what do I do? I start going over the left and what do you know? I fall in love with it and I actually like the left side now better than my right. So while at first it was awkward in the long run, I'm glad I did it. And I definitely think you guys need to try some new methods 
um, and, re, and, and different regrips and, and different um, ways of, of kind of gathering yourself and setting your hips. And so if the coach gives you a cue, just because it doesn't feel spot on in the moment, play with it, right? It might come back, you know, a week or two down the road after you, you've been messing with it for a little bit and be like, oh, wow, this is really, uh, you know, a better position for me. And this feels way easier now. Cool. Um, so yeah, deal with the awkwardness, but constantly, uh, try to improve those positions and efficiencies with the bag. Uh, the bag is rough because I mean, it is awkward and it's heavy. So you, you need to make sure that you're not only, you know, setting up properly and trying to be as efficient as possible, moving the bag, but you got to focus on your breathing in between the bags. If you just turn around, bend over and start going again, this thing's going to throw your heart rate through the roof. So, uh, make sure you're putting in breathing there. Um, you need to literally think of breathing as reps. Like if you have, you know, nine sandbags, 27 toes, the to bar, seven sandbags, 21 toes, to bar. It's like, okay, well, where's the breathing going to take place in this thing? And that's one of the first thoughts you guys should have. So, uh, make sure you're breathing in between your reps. Um, and then when you get to the toes, the to bar, understand that, it's going to feel funky. Um, for people that have already done this workout, I had the athletes run through this, I want to say, uh, last Friday and given they, they did this after 17, five, God bless them. But nonetheless, uh, they all said the same thing. They were like, my arms were fried. My toes, the bar felt like crap. They were all over the place. Great. This is a perfect opportunity for you guys to hone in on some on a, on a skilled movement when you're fatigued and tired with your heart rate jacked up. Um, not everything is always going to be uh, set up in a way that is conducive to you performing at your best. Sometimes you're going to have to go into complete and total grind mode and just fight for those reps when your body doesn't want to do it. So this is a good opportunity for you guys to maybe have to get a game plan together in the middle of a workout that you may not want to get together, right? If you can do 20 toes bar in a row and you get up there and realize you can do no more than four, that's a shitty realization. But at the same time, it's, it's reality, right? Like in and outside of the CrossFit gym. So, uh, this is where you guys need to focus, take it one set at a time. Think about the efficiencies that we always talk about. And even if it means you only piece together three or four, you still need to be as efficient on that set or three or four as possible to avoid going down to singles, right? So there's still winning strategies with this thing as, as kind of haphazard, and reckless or, uh, you know, as inconsistent as they may seem in the moment. So just be prepared to feel like you got punched in the face when you get to the toes to bar. Um, you're going to get through that round of 27 and you're going to hopefully not be in a bad mood, right? Like you don't want to get through that and be like, Oh, that sucked. Now this whole workout's ruined. No, you got to go back to the sandbag. You got to switch your focus. Like, it's like, okay, now we're back to this, like, brute force, like, or brute strength, like, let me brace, set up, like, gather myself, because the, the one thing you do not want to do today is fail sandbags, right, like, you don't want to get to the round of seven and go to pick this thing up and barely get it to your hip and it falls out, and it's like, okay, this workout's going fantastic, so make sure that, like, you're mentally gathered and prepared when you step up to that thing in the second round. Um, again, take them one at a time. If you feel as though you're, you're losing your ability to, you know, move the bag quickly, that means you need more rest. So if you're fumbling around with it, maybe your arms are fried, you know, with the bags, it's so much forearm and biceps, um, and upper back. Like 
if you get to a point where you're like, I'm numb right now, like you may need to take a few extra breaths before you go into a bag. And, and that's way better than you failing one. Um, only you are going to know your body at that moment in time. So you need to make that call. You get back to the round of 21 and you just need to think that it's by any means possible at this point, right? Like whether it's doubles, singles, triples, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're, if, you know, for those of you that are, are kings and queens on toes the bar jump up there and do your thing for the majority of you you're going to have to kind of get into a singles mentality and just take it one at a time and grind it out through the end of this thing right this is not a a pretty chipper this is an ugly chipper um and i i don't really care who's doing it this is going to be a tough workout um but these are the workouts that you know develop mental fortitude and teach you guys how to strategize when everything goes wrong in the middle of a workout and also when you don't really know how it's going to feel. You know, there's just some workouts where you're like, I can't even begin to guess how I'm going to feel after the round of 27 in this thing. And that's a good thing. You know, some workouts are super predictable and, and are easy to strategize. Um, not so easy to implement the strategy, but easy to strategize. This is not one of them. You're going to get into this thing and it's going to get ugly. And I'm happy about it because it'll force you guys to adjust and adapt. Cool. All right. I think we jammed enough on that. Moving on. Um, So teachers and coaches. Man. um, So the first thing to note is I was terrible to my teachers. And I have like resentment. If there's anything that I regret growing up, it's how terrible I was in school. There There were literally things on my report cards like where... I always got good grades, but it would be like Derek laughs too much or like messes around with his friends. It was always, it always had some sort of like comment about me just like not paying attention or like goofing off with my friends. And in hindsight, like some of it, yes, like when you're in elementary school, come on, like you got these little kids running around, um, you know, that have all the energy in the world and, and, don't see value in what they're learning for the most part and just want to play and you sit them down for more than 10 seconds at a time and they they throw a fit or one kid's peeing himself like it just it's a nightmare so god bless you teachers i'll tell you what i i cannot tell you how much i i look back and i'm like i feel so bad for the amount of crap i put my teachers through so i i I will tell you this, when you, when you guys and girls come in from the classrooms, um, and, or your, your schools, whatever position you're in there, like when you step foot in our gym, like I know that there is this immediate feeling of like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need right now. Like, I don't care what the workout is. I just, I'm happy to see my friends and not be dealing with, you know, 10 or 15 fifth graders or eighth graders or 11th graders right now. Like I am just stoked to be in a place to work out. So, um, I, I cannot tell you how much, you know, I appreciate the fact that you guys treat hard bad as your, your, your second home and a place to, you know, uh, to, to get out those feelings and to just like completely let loose and, 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 you know, get the stress out of your life. Cause I know it takes a toll on you guys. So, um, keep showing up. Um, we obviously all as a community appreciate what you all do for a living. Um, as far as similarities go, you know, it's really interesting. Like I've had such a funny experience because I've coached every age group, right? So, and I'm sure some of you teachers have experienced this. Like I've coached CrossFit kids. I've coached teams of teenagers. Uh, and to the same effect, uh, I've coached 
adults. And what's funny is while there's so many differences, there's also so many similarities, right? Like the bottom line is what's frustrating as being a teacher or coach is that it's one that the, the people you're, you're coaching or teaching have distractions that you're trying to pull them away from. As kids, it's like, I want to go home and play Nintendo or PlayStation. As teens, it's, I want to talk to my friends. As adults, it's like, yo, I have shit to do and I'm stressing out over my dog's got to go to the vet, my kid is sick, like, I need to figure out where their daycare is, uh, you know, this summer or, uh, you know, we're in the process of trying to buy a house. So it's, it's while our our distractions change, they're still there, right? Like the same way that I'm sure some of you have to rally your fifth graders, you know, and kind of get them to pay attention. I feel the same way when I'm coaching adults because they have things going on, right? And this is just a reality. It's not that I think you guys are intentionally trying to, you know, to, to not pay attention. It's just that we've all got stuff going on in our lives, you know, and sometimes we, I got to bring you back to the classroom setting or in our case, the gym and be like, all right, like, let's, you know, let's pull it together. We're here for a reason. All right, here we go. Got everyone's attention. Let's move forward. Um, and the other thing that, you know, creates, uh, you know, there's that's synonymous between coaching and teaching is that we're basically trying to convince people to do something they don't want to do in the short term that provides long-term value, right? Like in the classroom, most of the kids don't give a shit about the math and the science and the, the English that you're teaching them. You know, like I remember reading short stories and being like, this, this stuff is so stupid, you know, and looking back and now I'm like, okay, wow. Like each one of those stories had some sort of a valuable lesson that while the teacher couldn't fully disclose how it would apply in my adult life, you know, I can look back and be like, wow, like some of these corny short stories actually had valuable lessons to them. You know, some of them didn't, but, but most of them did. Um, you know, and and this ran all the way through school. Like there, everything we learn is, is an attempt to make us uh, develop us into well-rounded, you know, caring adults. Um, and we do the same thing, you know, inside of the gym, you know, when it comes to the kids, we're trying to teach them discipline and to put their things away and like to be nice to others. When it comes to the teens, we're trying to teach them that being popular is not everything. And like, there's, you know, value in working really hard at something. Um, and that if they like, you know, they need to get away from their cell phones and like the social media and just like focus on the task at hand. And, and if you really want to get good at a sport, like you have to work harder than everybody else. And then when it comes to the adults, for them, it's more along the lines of, you know, if you keep eating and drinking like this, this is going to be your life long term. Or if you don't fix these immobilities, this is going to affect you down the line. Or, uh, you know, if, you, uh, you know, continue to move improperly, like you're going to basically saw away at the connective tissue that you have. So we, we, we're trying to instill like, listen, I know that this is frustrating for you and you don't have the, the motor patterns right now to, to, to do this movement properly. And it feels goofy and it doesn't feel right. And it makes you uncomfortable, but long term, this is the, this is where the value lies, right? Like 
we're trying to teach you something in the short term that provides you long-term value. And it doesn't matter what age group we work with here. And I'm sure it's the same way inside of the schools. You know, you teach different things in third, you know, to fifth and fifth to eighth and eighth, you know, through all the way through to, through high school. But at the same time, it's it's trying to convince the people that in the short term to, to do things that they don't feel like doing so that it provides them long-term value in the future. Um, so that was just some stuff I was thinking about, um, in terms of learning from teachers, you know, I feel like everyone has teachers, whether it be from elementary, middle, high school, or from college, um, or graduate programs and all that stuff where you look back and you're like, there are just people that really formed like who I am through my education system, you know, and like, there's always those like one, two or three teachers that you'll never forget, right? Like you remember lessons they taught you, books they made you read. Um, and what's really funny looking back is it was never the teachers that I had the most fun with. Like I've had teachers where like, you know, you could basically convince them to put on, you know, remember the Titans in the classroom or like, you know, some show that you wanted to watch or, you know, uh, talk them out of a homework assignment, or you could like, you know, get them to start telling a story because you knew they were going to take up half the class, you know, telling this funny story. But then there were the teachers that like really made you work hard, right? They forced you to become a better version of yourself. And, you know, I look back and for me, some of the most important teachers, um, were the ones that showed me that the value in reading, you know, like I was, I read books because my mom got me into reading really early, but like once I got into a point where my mom stopped reading with me and it was more or less on myself and, you know, with, you know, and the school, a lot of the kids were doing things like when a book assignment would come out, they'd go and get, you know, the cliff notes version, read through the cliff notes, you know, search them some things on what the limited search engines that were around back then. Um, and, and then put it together a paper that way. And, and like, I had a teacher that was like, look, you can shortcut these things, but at the end of the day, like you're going to look back and remember that every book you ever read, you never really read the book. And like, that is, that's not a way, the way to go about life. Like you will take much more value out of these books if you read them from, you know, front to back and you'll feel like you actually accomplished something. And that was a big one for me because I can say without a doubt, I have read way more books since I have left college than when I was throughout all my years of school. And I think that that teacher had a big influence on that because he showed me that, you know, while this was in, it was an honors history class, right? So he expected more of us. And he basically told the students like, look, don't bullshit me. Like I'm going to know through your reports, if you read these books entirely, or if you pulled this from, from the cliff notes version. So I want you all to read books, start to finish. And I don't want you just doing that in my classroom. So that was one big lesson. Um, Funny enough, a lot of them are all around books. I had a college professor who forced us to read, um, and we broke down. So the whole, literally the entire class for a semester was around the book, The Seven, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Um, and that is one of those books that I've probably read three or four times, and I would say has, has had a profound um, effect on my life. Um, 
And he's one of those professors that I'll, I'll never forget. He did a lot of things outside of the classroom with the kids. He went over and beyond. Um, you know, like we would go for runs around campus. Um, you know, like he would, you know, who wants to go out? Like, I'm going to go for a run after class or after school today, like, um, you know, at whatever, 5 p.m. if anyone wants to come out. And like, there was just, you could tell that the dude was so charismatic and caring and that, you know, the kids loved him because everyone went out, you know, like you have a bunch of college students as freshmen that, you know, how freshmen are like, they just want to party with their friends and do enough in class to get by. And you'd have 30, 40 people running behind this guy, you know, down the streets at IUP. And it was just like, for me, I think that that was huge because I saw what I could do in terms of, you know, the influence I could have on people if I, if I led by example, and that, that always kind of stuck with me because, you know, it's one thing to be a teacher and it's one thing to be a coach. It's another thing to be a great teacher and another thing to be a great coach. And I think that leading by example and, you know, do going over and beyond your duties to just coach a class or to just teach a class goes a really long way and, and has a much larger impact on people long term. Um, that was a big one. Um, and then my last one that I'll mention to you guys was my exercise physiology teacher from IUP was no joke. This woman was at the time she had just, uh, got out of the position of president with the ACSM, which is one of the larger accredited strength and conditioning, um, uh, like institutions or organizations, I'm sorry, in the United States. And she did not care that we were undergrads. It was like, listen, like <laughs> we, we are going to go as deep as we can into exercise physiology and you guys are going to have to hold on. Um, so every test was essay. So it would be like, describe the glycolytic system. And like, there was not like a, make sure you touch on these points. No, it was like, as it would leave it way open and broad. And if you missed anything, it was points off. Um, and that forced me to learn so much about the human body and about exercise physiology so much so that this was my sophomore year. I would go into the exercise phys lab and become a test subject for the grad, one of my, uh, this grad student that I became really good friends with purely because I knew that if I wanted to be able to get an A in this class and I wanted to, and I had to learn the body that deeply, I was going to have to be around people that were A, much smarter than me and B, were going to put me through tests and then like show me how the body was affected, you know, and I would like, basically I was like taking on the role of a grad student and pretending as though I was one so that I could like learn from them and be part of these experiments and these research projects so that I could just be in that atmosphere because I knew damn well that even in small study groups, which to be honest with you, I never really liked, but in small study groups or by myself studying and reading these books front to back multiple times and going through chapters and like with a fine tooth comb, like I realized that even with that, I was not going to get an A. The only way I was going to do it was to like put myself in position to see this stuff in practice, you know, like being, you know, hooked up to a metabolic cart and doing VO2 max tests and doing lactic acid threshold tests and, um, you know, or getting pricked for lactic acid testing and, you know, doing, I did like a calf muscle biopsy. I'd never would have done that in my entire life. They looked, the shit looked painful and it was painful, but it was super, super cool. 
um, you know, to learn about myself and also understand then, you know, what that meant, you know, the muscle fiber types and, and, you know, why it was that way in the calf and how it represented the rest of the body. So that teacher did so much for me because it forced me to, to go so much deeper than I should have or would have in an undergrad program. Um, so I'm sure you all have teachers and people in your life that, you know, from a mentor perspective that were super influential for you. So on an ending note, for all of you teachers out there, thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, you know, as a community at Hardbat, we appreciate your efforts in, you know, creating a better tomorrow for our kids um, and, and the future for them. And just never forget, as frustrating as the kids can be, how important your role is in life. Cool. All right. Can't wait to work out with you guys today. Should be a good one. I'll see you all later at the gym.